Welcome back to another episode of Nihil Aesthetic. My name is Carter, your host with the most in terms of musical pop culture, heavy music, heavy metal, thrash metal, death metal, you name it, we're going to be talking about it. Anything cool, anything relating to music, media, etc. And if you're just tuning into this episode, last time we talked about Death, the, the death metal band Death, and uh, their tribute band comprised of former members of the band Death called Death to All. There's a lot of death going around, um, just joking. But yeah, thank you all again for continuing to listen if you do. Um, and yeah, for those who don't listen or anything like that, um, like I said in the beginning, you know, music, media, pop culture, everything like that. Um, we do have some guest episodes every now or then, and I've been kind of slacking in that aspect, but I will get to that in a second. Um, so yeah, I play drums in a band called Siphoned. Uh, our Instagram is Siphoned underscore official, and I am also a freelance uh, producer slash session musician, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the other project that I am very excited to announce, it's already been announced, but first time on the podcast, is Paranoid Paradise. Um, it's a hardcore punk slash riot girl kind of thing. Um, if you know what riot girl is, it was a form of... Uh, hard rock slash punk music, whatever you want to call it. Sorry for mislabeling it or whatever. That was just the first thing that came to my mind. But it was all about female empowerment and oppression, you know, in terms of like, I don't know how to, I'm going to choose my words, words carefully, like ter- like <clears throat> tired of being oppressed by men and everything like that, you know, take down the patriarchy. So yeah, um, I did kind of preview one little snippet of the project, on the last episode of the podcast, that intro that you heard was one of the songs that will be coming out on uh, this Saturday as the time of recording this. But yeah, I record the intros before I usually record the content of the guests. So um, actually, let me just introduce our guest right now. So today's guest, or this episode's guest, is a bad motherfucker on stage, Cameron Sexton, everybody, of Precordial Thump. Very excited to be doing this episode, and uh, but I have my interview with uh, interview podcast scheduled with Cameron the same day that the uh, Paranoid Paradise stuff comes out, so it'll definitely be a little um, late in terms of you know talking about that, but it's fine. I'll probably do another episode about that with Mia, talking a little bit more about the process and everything like that, a little bit more background about Mia and her musical background because it's very cool, very interesting. But yeah, Cameron is the guitar player for Precordial Thump, and his guitar rig and taste and everything like that is just immaculate. He's a really funny, down-to-earth guy, and it's really great to get to make his acquaintance. Um, So yeah, we'll be talking to him about songwriting, um, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, Songwriting, we might do a live tone test, because funny enough, Cameron, um, (laughs) the secret to his tone, and I'm not going to really give too much away, but it's a certain line of uh, guitar processing. And my dad actually has this, he put in the same rack mounted system in our basement. So we might try and uh, make that sound like his rig. We're not sure, but um, we'll get to that. But yeah, so uh, Recordial Thump put out an EP in 2021. Um, It is called Anthem of the Lost. And then they put out a single in 2022 called Private Despair. So we will be discussing those songs, releases, etc. But yeah, getting into how I met Cameron, um, and I'm going to keep it short because I only want to keep these intros 
pretty short. I was playing in a band at the time called Creeping Night, and we were playing the Diesel Lounge for the Merry Metal Xmas show, and it was supposed to be in December, but then a snowstorm came, you know, messed up everything. So we had to reschedule the show for January. <clears throat> and so basically, uh, Creeping Night, we were the headliner of that show. We played really late. So, you know, we were just kind of loaded all of our gear, and then we're just like, well... Nothing better to do than watch the other bands, of course, as you should when you play a show like that. Uh, anyways, I don't want to get on a tangent about how messed up it is when people don't do that. But yeah, so Cameron and his band members um, came into the dressing room where I was hanging out with some members from my old band, Apocalypse. And uh, Cameron just, I could just tell there was something like really dope about his energy, his vibe, his aura. You know, um, I'm a pretty hard guy, you know, well... Anyways, I don't want to sound like a douche, but, like, I feel like my sense of humor is very niche, and it's a little hard to kind of, you know, make me really laugh my ass off. But, yeah, this dude was, like, doing it very easily. And, uh, yeah, I watched his band. They fucking smashed it. His band, whenever they play or on a bill, it's always going to be fucking stacked and amazing. And uh, also really excited to say that Siphoned, my band, will be playing with Precordial Thump at the Diesel again. Or, no, the Diesel is the venue that we're going to be playing again. Siphon's never played with Precordial. This is going to be the first time, though, and it's going to be June 24th. Part of the Extreme Metal Mayhem 3 lineup from Mike D and Infused Productions. Shout out to Mike D and Infused Productions for having us. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stop talking right now, and we're going to get into this absolute mammoth of an episode, this absolute chonker of an episode. Um, but, yeah... Just so you guys know, my name is Carter. My uh, Instagram is at officialcarterb. Um, that's where I post all my podcasts, etc. And uh, my band that I play in is called Siphoned. Um, Instagram is siphoned underscore official. But yeah, enjoy this interview I did with Cameron Sexton of the band Percordial Thump. <laughs> Wow, that was uh, that was incredible. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Just fucking three notes. Three <laughs> notes, that's all you need. Yeah, one note <laughs> is all that is needed. <laughs> wow, so you all, well, some of you guys knew that this was coming. This is kind of more of a little bit of a, I would say, special surprise. Welcome to Nihil Aesthetic, the podcast. Cameron Sexton, everybody. <laughs> I'll put in a clapping sound effect. Oh, yes. Thank you very like, much. <laughs> like that, yeah, you know, kind of thing, um, like on Coffee with Ola. Put in a Seinfeld laugh track. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> so, Cameron, how did how did, how did did I meet you? If you want to tell your version, I already told mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were at the uh, Diesel, and you were playing with uh, the band with a long name. <laughs> creeping night oh yeah creeping night. yeah it was so not a long name i just can't remember shit no you're good i've been <laughs> in like it's whatever you know so. oh yeah yeah yeah. um yeah and uh we were up in the uh, yeah with the green room and we were just yeah. chilling and talking like uh i think we were just talking tone i think and then yeah, honestly uh, that's when it came up mm-hmm. and then after that we texted on instagram for a bit, and and uh, here we are. You yeah, told me basically. you you yeah. you told me like that you're one of the realest people I've ever met. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I mean, real recognize real, as lame as that sounds. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> nah, I just, uh, you know, looking for like-minded homies to talk with, vibe with. I mean, you've already mentioned Meshuga. Um, any, well, Fear Factory is a band, you know, I need to get a little bit more educated on. But yeah, all those bands that I just mentioned, um, yeah, Meshuga, Fear Factory. Um, and I know we were talking about Morbid Angel mm-hmm. a little bit last night, too. So you had a uh, you had a dad who was very into heavy music, from what I understand. And if you just kind of want to give me some other bands. Well, I mean, um, to be clear, my dad was into all kinds of music. I mean, uh, my dad, like, drew a line at bands like Morbid Angel because, I mean, I was raised in a Christian family, you know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit. Um, we went to church every Sunday, like when I was little, but we kind of stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But I mean, yeah, my dad would be caught dead listening to a band like Venom <laughs> or um, uh, Mayhem. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Shout out to Cor- uh, what is his name, uh, Rory Culkin, for playing <laughs> Euronymous or something. Anyways, oh, yeah. My God. <laughs> Is that the is that the guy? <laughs> um, it's the Lords of Chaos movie. Uh, oh, oh no, the guy that killed him and all that was Varg. Varg Vukanez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a that guy's really. <coughs> Anyways, but yeah, yeah, so. black metal is a weird genre. For the most part, I, 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 I mean, I've seen Behemoth and they kick ass. Yeah, I saw him too. I saw him open for um, Slipknot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> was that August twenty nineteen? Yep. 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 Because I remember that was almost directly after my birthday, or before. How, how old are you? Sorry. Twenty two. You're twenty two. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm about to. I'm gonna be twenty two in a month. <laughs> you look like you're like twenty eight. <laughs> really? Yeah. Plus you're like taller than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was twenty eight, man. You're funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. That that that's that's the thing. You know, people people either say, yeah, I look sixteen or twenty six. Yeah. Right. There's there's like no in between. <laughs> But anyways, so, yeah, you were at that behemoth... Con- everybody in the music scene was at that show, whether you knew somebody or not. And this was bef- that was before I joined... Can Can we please talk about the fact that... We can talk about whatever you want. You're the guest. Could we have please gone without Volbeat on that, that bill? I'm going to have to agree. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, yeah. Any I- band would have been better than Vol- Volbeat. I mean, okay, how about if they opened the show? Sure, sure. We'll give them that. We'll give them that, but no. Just so they f- they feel like they're not losing everything. Imagine if Lamb of God was on that tour. Oh fuck! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, dude, I would have, uh, I would have, I would have, I could have died right then and there and been Here, like, "Here, yep. take my money." <laughs> yeah, literally, take my fucking money. <laughs> but I feel like Lamb of God. It's weird. Lamb of God like transcended. They, they like they 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 dropped like what two albums and I, well. There's a whole argument to be made about like their success, like moving forward and everything. But um, yeah, I guess going back to the so Behemoth, you know the bands that you grew up with, Behemoth, Morbid Angel. But was there anything else like more extreme than that, or was that where your dad was just kind of well? Like, you I know? mean, I, for the most part, I grew up like I'm talking like when I was young, like eight, like four, eight, nine, ten, up until like the age of twelve. So my mom bubbled me pretty, pretty good. Didn't our didn't all of our moms? <laughs> yeah, the heaviest band I listened to was The Police until I was twelve. <laughs> Sorry, I just never heard somebody say like, 
<laughs> the police are the heaviest. Band. Like, hey, don't get me wrong. I still love the police. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. But um, one day I I, uh, I was still at my one of my uh, Christian schools. <laughs> Went to a private school. Yes. Um, yeah. But... Uh, I went down into my dad's basement and there was a wall of records. And for whatever reason, the first thing that popped out to me was, uh, obsolete by fear factory. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just, um, attracted by the album art. You know, it's like the brain with the stem coming down on it. I'm going to pull this up. Yeah. And then there was the manufacturer, which was a spine with a barcode on it. Yeah, I remember seeing. Um, that's the only album of theirs I'm like kind of familiar with because I like. Oh, it changed the landscape. You know, like people. Mm-hmm. Everyone always says it's like um, a very revolutionary record. So it absolutely is, and it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. I feel like that's kind of the common theme with that whole band. Exactly. <laughs> Name one band before Fear Factor that was doing cleans and screams. So Fear Factor invented metalcore. Industrial. Industrial. And, and they didn't invent a genre, more so planted the entire seed of how metal would be mixed for the next 20 years. Okay, that makes more sense. If Yeah, if, if you make sense, like listen to Manufacture, then listen to Metal Records now. Because on that record, he had quad-tracked guitars. And how fast they play, that's fucking ridiculous. I know, I mean, I... <coughs> I hear like bands, you know, they still do quad tracking, but a lot of them they'll just opt for the easy way out, like left rhythm, right rhythm, then throw lead solo, whatever else on top. But like you're talking quad track with rhythm, right? Yes. And at like 260 BPM. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, you got to be one dedicated ass musician to do stuff like that. And Dino like, definitely is. Yeah. And okay. Dino told me he used to hang ankle weights or like barbells off of his ankle or uh, his wrist so that he could pick faster. That's what Gene would do, uh, Gene Hoagland. When he, exactly. Yeah, and feet. he used yep. to be in Fear Factory. Yep. yep. Connection. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, Gene's been in like every band. Absolutely one of the greatest metal drummers, if not the greatest. The Atomic Clock. Yeah. My dad loves Gene Hoagland. Yeah, he wanted to because unfortunately my dad's a drummer. Oh no shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Bro. Um but unfortunately a injury back from his school days, he has um like a plate up his ankle and a plate like doing that so he can't do this. Oh, uh, so for you know, I wish we could film this podcast, but uh, I'm going to just describe to everybody. So you're trying to move your uh, ankle. Ankle. Yeah, yeah like which a, is pretty uh, important if in, you're in the kick drum playing, motion. Like, pivot, you know, yeah. up and down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let me fucking tell you something. When I was 13, I was just starting to get uh, lessons on how to play like metal guitar. My dad put on Raining Blood, and I knew it. And he fucking played it. On the drums? Yes. Dude, oh, wow. So even, like, with his injury and everything, he was able to do... Yes. That's that's awesome, dude. I, I, although I've never seen a man sweat so much. <laughs> my dad is a... My dad was a bricklayer for 30 years. <laughs> he, don't, he don't fucking know what pain is. 
Exactly. I get yeah. a lot of my hard work ethic and hard assness from my dad, and I I know I should probably slow down at work, but yeah, you know. But I know to the question that we originally uh, <laughs> asked. Um, it's okay. It gets very ADHD on every podcast and radio thing I do. Literally. But um, I, I have ADHD too, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're, get, we're going back to a question. <coughs> what was the question? Uh, about my dad's, like, record collection. Okay. I mean, my dad, like, started me off, obviously, with Sabbath, you know, and um, that basically got me started. You know, and uh, you you want me to like kind of like tell like a story about how like each band kind of morphed me into the guitar player and the tone that I have, dude. We're only at about we got this podcast can go however long you want it to, man. You can tell as many stories as you want. Shit, like, it's not you know like restrictive or anything. Um, and so okay, so it started out pretty easy. I was always like going in guitar to Guitar Center. At the time I was going into the Guitar Center, my dad and me were listening to a lot of Anthrax. Yeah. And um every time we went into the Allen Park Guitar Center, there would be some Scott Ian signature guitars. Like with the Among the Living graphic. Yeah, back when he uh, had the, the the soloists, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh the Jacksons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because now he plays only King V, I think, right? Uh yeah 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 but I rem- I know what you're talking about like the the Jackson soloist it has like one pickup it has Among the Living on the front mm-hmm. yeah yeah way back when he used to play uh, ESP <laughs> same with Dave Mustaine oh did he yeah shit yeah before <laughs> uh, well this was like in the late nineties <coughs> oh, um, yeah, I know every all the Megadeth fans like my Eric Eric's a big Megadeth fan he's gonna be like no that's not true but um yeah I feel like uh. Dave had yeah. Dave was with ESP before he joined Dean. Then he joined Gibson. But yeah, the Scott Ian Gibson. <laughs> Gibson. <laughs> but um, I like started out like that, and I never really like took guitar seriously the first three years. It was always an afterthought. Like I never really thought like anything about it. I just wanted to play video games. To be honest with you, yeah. But then my, my dad w- went and uh, took me to see Buckethead live. That was a treat. <laughs> uh, that, I was just gonna say that, dude. That sounds like a great night of guitar virtuosity. Oh yeah, to this day, probably the best guitar shredder I've ever seen. <laughs> and um, he just yeah. dropped his sixty uh, fifth album this morning. <laughs> I had to get that joke out of the way. Keep going. Oh yeah, if if you don't know, Buckethead has several albums worth of music, probably up to like two hundred sixty eight at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Oh yeah, they're called Pikes too. Whatever the hell that means. He calls his albums Pikes. Yeah. Interesting. One of them's called Pumpkin Pike. <laughs> And he puts a number on all of them. I'm like, oh, he knew what he was doing. Then Buckethead fans would be like, actually, you're thinking of Pike number 371, Splatter. 325 albums overall. Oh, my God, the bro. Pike, Pikes are many albums with 294 of them released since the 11. They have an average runtime of 30 minutes. But, like, he um, he labeled his Pikes with a number. I'm like, bro, that's obnoxious. Then 
buckethead hardcore fans are being like, e- 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 actually, we, um, it's number 24, not 11. 11. <laughs> 11. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, actually, it's number 11. <laughs> what would we do without Guitar Hero 2 for putting Buckethead on the map? No. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yep. having the Grim Reaper as an unlockable character, I would always play him. But uh, it was only a natural progression from there because then I went out, bought some better gear. I bought, like, uh, some of the pedals that Buckethead was using, like a Digitech Whammy. So you bought all that. What was your first guitar, if you remember? Uh, Fender Strat. Or, bol- like, Squire Bullet Squire Strat. Strat. Yeah, okay, cool. it's usually all ours, you know? Yeah, my Bullet Mustang is hanging on the wall. It's my first guitar I bought for my own money for $120. Oh, absolutely. I like the I like those body styles. I always pictured myself playing one of those Jim Root uh jazz masters, but I was just like I don't know, man. Like it, like my whole thing with signature gear is like I feel like I'm uh wearing somebody else's sweater. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's like uh oh boy, I'm playing this black and red ESP Eclipse with a Floyd Rose. I must be playing Gary Holtz model. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what I do a lot with music is try to be unique and like myself. So, um, yeah, if you're not sounding like you, you're sounding like someone else. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I discovered Fear Factory, instantly fell in love with the sound, and I listen to them like every day, all day. And, um, never really, uh, got anybody to start a band with me that started like them until my current band, uh, came along. And, um, my drummer, Trent, he was the one who got me into Mashuga, uh, hardcore. He showed me Bleed, and, of course, my mind was fucking (laughs) blown. And, um... So I started di- doing some digging of my own, you know? And it wasn't until 2018 when I was working at the convertible top job. All right, that's see, all I needed right there. I'm, see, I'm, 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 I'm at it. See, no, that. that's quad tracked. Yeah, it's, he's quad. <laughs> but so I did my own digging of, like, some Meshuggah material for myself. And it wasn't until 2018 where I witnessed a Meshuggah song that makes Bleed look like a bitch. That song is I. Oh, I? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, yeah, once I first heard that, I'm like, it's fast as humanly fucking possible. For eight minutes. And then it kind of mellows down, but it's still fucking. But it's still it's twenty one minutes. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to. Yeah, I feel like Mashuga was just. Um, <coughs> my favorite thing to do is watch the making of uh, Chaos Fear because oh, like yeah. they're just so nonchalant about it. They're just like, oh, we broke a snare drum head. Like, oh, ba 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 ba. We're just messing around in the van, and then they're like, they just low-key fucking like change the course of music yeah. without even realizing it. Exactly. But, like, it's, like, that is what made me 
like the the the, the simulation of an amp I'm running on my Kemper right now is the Fortin Meshuggah. Nice. So it was like after I heard Meshuggah, like I knew like deep down I would never be able to sound exactly like Meshuggah, and I didn't want to. <coughs> hey yo, but, um, do you mind if I try it real quick? My, um, do you want me to go wash my hands? Um, <laughs> I'll edit. I'll edit this part out. Oh yeah, yeah. And so this is a seven or an eight? Uh, yeah, that, that is a seven string. All right, I'm genting for the first time. So your band plays in uh, D, but seven string or? Um. It, we play in sta standard with a, a low B, and then that, we play a song in A standard, so that's the whole guitar is a full step down, but on a couple more songs, we have a, a songs in drop G. Drop G. Yeah. it has with like the pick scrape when you're like chugging chords I'm still I'm still a noob when it comes to the pick scrape oh yeah yeah This is a Schecter. Yeah, this is a Schecter. Yeah, this is... Yeah, yeah, this I is want one of these now. Yeah. Where can I get one? Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty on Reverb and on uh, Schecter's Market. Because, yeah, like, I love... So this, this is the Sinister Gates body, right? Or no? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's but, the Avenger body shape. Yeah, but, the, but like, I only see them with Floyds, and I don't want that. Exactly. So I, I've never liked Floyds, ever. Wow, thank you, dude. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, seriously, like this is like this is fucking sweet. Like I really appreciate when somebody lets me try out their gear because. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that fucking Weezer? You just got Weezered on the Nihil Aesthetic podcast. <laughs> and now you just got Super Mario'd. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. wait. Just two dudes um, having, having having a silly time over here. You just got SpongeBob <laughs> yeah. on the Nihilistic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, because like when I heard I, it was when like at like six minutes, you have Thomas just like. 
full double bass and then just like on the <laughs> snare. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time Frederick's just going like Had to go and give that a listen back because it was just so sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, because, like, I pride in making, like, because Ethan's using completely different, like, tone-shaping materials. So, I just want to get this. So, he's the other guitar player in your band? Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a lead player or a rhythm player? R- rhythm player, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love uh, Chug Chug Bree more than I like Weedly Wee. <laughs> More than I like. Um. <laughs> I was ex- I was kind of expecting it, but it's just like, please, yeah, please play that, please. please. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, that that's the the lead playing is more Ethan's job. My job is to be the foundation of what he's playing under. You know. Cuz I always tell everybody if if you have a good lead player, it's nothing without a good rhythm section. Have some like big chords ringing behind it or like doing i don't know something but like keep it keep it super simple yeah (laughs) keep it super simple yeah um i know there like there's been the debate lately like oh my god shred versus feel over the past few years and i'm just like you do what you want man you do what makes you happy i wouldn't worry about what other people are saying yeah don't and plus the the uh, tone comes into that a lot too Tone definitely comes into that a lot uh, as well. And I say, don't dial with your eyes, dial with your ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of the times, like, uh, I'll just close my eyes. Yeah. I'll just do it like that. Yeah, don't like... say, oh, line six. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Fricker said. <laughs> Glenn Fricker said uh, that, um everything is garbage if it's sampled and everything like that and yeah 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 yeah, we get we get it you like you like the authentic shit but i don't know i don't like some good old digital crap to or not crap i mean you know like nothing like some good old digital effects to kind of cut the corners of the actual like live shit like i'm of that mindset you know like if you need to like why the hell would you bring a giant like analog rig to play like a 30 minute show when you can just bring um yeah, like when you could just bring like a combo amp or a Kemper or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, like why? Yeah, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. The analog stuff is fun. It is fun. Oh yeah, I'm not I, saying it sucks. See, the the thing that I have going on right now, I guess this is the gear talk pr- proportion of the podcast now. It's always about gear. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, gear gods with Trey Xavier. Oh jeez, that guy. <laughs> there is a switch. And a knob inside of the fucking cock blocker. <laughs> oh, you mean the the pedal? Yeah, the cock blocker. <laughs> the satchel? No, that was a noise gate. The, what? The, 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 
the um I thought Satchel had the guitar pedals that were named after stupid shit. N- no, no, because he had the pussy melter. Yeah, pussy melter, and then the poon tang boomerang. Yeah, but yeah. then uh, Glenn Fricker just put out a pedal himself called the cock blocker. Oh it's right, gay. Yeah. Oh yep, I remember that. But, um, anyways, so what I'm using, like, currently on stage is, um, this guitar, I have a Jackson SL7 soloist in Northern Lights finish, it's like purple and blue, oh, oh, and then I have, (laughs) we play a couple of songs in a drop A sharp, so like, it's like C standard, but with with a dropped, uh, so it's like, a sharp, uh, F, A sharp, you get the point. Yeah. And then for that, I have a um, Paul Stanley signature Iceman. Oh, yeah. Oh, real quick. Uh, try not to tap the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll pick it up. Sorry. And um, yeah, I, I saw the Iceman and, like, actually, dude, like, somebody was, um, they were doing, they're trying to trade an Iceman with Invaders for uh, just a guitar. And I was, I'm like, yeah, camera looks badass with that thing. I want one now. <laughs> and then um, I tried to trade it, but I, I missed out on the trade. So. Oh, man. Yeah, it's whatever, though. Uh, I'm trying to figure some things out, but the tuning stability is kind of doo-doo. Oh, yeah, an Ibanez? <laughs> yeah. I had I had an Ibanez 7-string. I sold it. I didn't really vibe with it too long, too much. The the, the thing that give, gets Ibanez so much flack is they get models that are like, of course it's doo-doo. You know, like, I would love to play, like, an Ibanez RGD, one pickup, uh, seven-string with, like, a hardtail. That would be great. But, um, yeah, I can, I can see, like, if you're getting, like, a 300 400 $500 guitar from Ibanez, then, yeah, of course, it's going to be doo-doo. <laughs> oh, it is. The, so, it is the, uh, I would say, intermediate. Yeah, the, the the one that I have, I got in a trade. So I I was taking back um a head that I had that I wanted to see if it would still work for like precordial. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we're gonna get to the whole band talk. How y'all met each other? How y'all kissed each other on the mouth the first time you met? Like mm. I know all bands do. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I bought that back and I bought that head for like five hundred bucks. And he said like, look, if you it like if I give you like a gift card, you can browse around the store and see if there's anything you want. So, like, like as in, like, money back for what I just bought. So, I looked around, and there was the Paul Stanley with that sparkle finish for, like, 150 bucks at Motor City Guitar. Oh, he's at Motor... I love Motor City. Well, I mean, yeah. They've... Anyways. Yeah, <laughs> we can, yeah. We can talk about that. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got it. I threw Seymour Duncan blackouts. Those need to be replaced. Um, I think I'm thinking about throwing the uh, Mick Thompson signature blackouts in there, and before uh, they become only exclusive to ESP. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, then I threw some Golto locking tuners on uh, the headstock because I I don't like normal tuners. After I found locking tuners, I'm like, oh yeah, oh I'm set. Yeah, look at my guitar behind you, dude. Like once you, uh, yeah, once you go, once you go lock, you never uh, take other stock. Exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly. Once you go to lock, you never take other stock. <laughs> once once you go cock, you, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, it's okay. 
<laughs> but you can swear. You can say whatever you want. Oh yeah, cock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, where was my train of thought? Oh yeah. So, um, those are my three guitars for live. <coughs> so you've got your Schecter, you've got your Jackson, and then you have your uh, Iceman. Uh yeah. Pretty Please. soon here though. I'm still waiting on this company from Argentina. It's been like a year, but they're building me... RSDDs? No. Oh. Uh, well, they're from uh, the Netherlands, I believe. Oh, sorry. I thought RSDDs Argentina. Yeah, like Dutch people. <laughs> um, but it's a company called Maslo Guitars out of Argenti- Argentina. Maslov? Maslo. Maslo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But um, they... Uh, offered to because I paid full price, um, but they they've been kind of shady lately, so I'm like, dude, give me my fucking guitar. <laughs> the the guitar is supposed to be one pickup, this pick this pickup. It's gonna be a Telecaster type body. Ooh, um, that's cool. Twenty seven inch scale. Mm. Uh, all in line, uh, headstock reversed. And, um, see, the paint was the most important part for me. Yeah, what color? Body's white, the fretboard's white. With a rose on the 12th fret. It's giving me Arctic Metal ESP vibes. Yeah, but yeah. the, but the, but the fretboard isn't white on the Arctic Metals. So, this is Not? gonna, this is gonna look like, uh, Fieldy's bass from Corn. Uh, what, what bass from, what bass? Uh, the... Uh, Fieldy signature bass from Corn. Oh, okay. Like he has a white one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is sweet. Mm-hmm. I. When did that? When was that a thing? The this Fieldy's. Oh, it's twentieth anniversary of Corn. So like twenty fourteen. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't really a corn fan back then. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm kind of weird. I uh, started well, my I, I have like a very basic, you know, I had a very basic metal taste like in high school, and then once I graduated high school, it kind of got more. Anyway, but that's sweet, dude. Yeah, but so I'm still waiting on that because I paid a lot of fucking money for that to be a good guitar, a guitar that I'm gonna use for drop fucking f, <laughs> <laughs> and th- th- see. The six strings below it, I can play all our A sharp stuff in it. So I, I won't have to carry another extra guitar out. It's complicated uh, explaining everything to my band. So, like, with your band, um, se- it seems like you got, like, the biggest... Well, I mean, I've only really met you. I haven't talked to anybody else. Um, nothing personally. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm terrible with that. Um... <laughs> It's all but, good. Yeah, but yeah. so, like, you kind of, uh, are you kind of like, how do I, how do I put this? Like the, uh, the idea, like the, the originator of like ideas. Are you, are you the guy that's like, hey, we should do this? Or I mean, I was the one who formed the band. Okay. Yeah. And um. So yeah, take us. I guess if you want to take us back to like that, and then kind of, you know, like tell, tell yeah, me like I how. I was, it, I was about to finish up uh, talking about what I played through at home. And, yeah. And I'll sure. uh, go on to that. And so. Yeah, it, how it kind of works in the band is, like, 
We'll pitch an idea. We'll send it into the group chat. Ethan's the one. We're, we're recording our upcoming album at home. You know, we, we nice. don't. Yeah, it's cheaper. And honestly, like some of the like demoing and like recording like uh, tools that we have as musicians now, the demos sound better than the final shit. I know, right? It's like, oh. I, I mean, do you use like do you guys use like the the uh, program the program drums and stuff like that? We do, but for demos. Okay. We uh, or yeah, but, no. I listen. I listen all you guys' stuff before you uh, came on, so I w- didn't sound like a complete. I wasn't like, oh, I didn't listen to it. You know. Yeah, but, like, that was before like the the, the, um, the drums sound real is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But though those everything we have on iTunes right now sounds like ass, and all we all know. Or I mean. I I was gonna like, well, it, that was your first EP, right? <coughs> first thing you've ever done with this band. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like when I did my first band, Apocalypse, like um, we kind of had a similar thing, you know, like the first EP came out, and we're all just kind of like, you know, um, mm-hmm. but that's the thing, man. Like I wouldn't say like don't 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 turn your back on it. Yeah, like, use it as like a use it as like a jumping off. We're point. gonna re-record all those songs. Isn't that? I'm just gonna go grab. Something to keep my hands busy with, but you you said like uh, I think I saw you announced like you guys were, yeah re-recording one of the songs or, or everything uh, all of the songs off the EP and, and that single uh, or well okay yeah uh, private despair then uh, straitjacket derelict and unresponsive so uh, it's yeah be there's swag there's that to look forward to. So, the stuff that I use at home to keep uh, my fucked up head in line, um, <laughs> I'm playing through three imps at once. Like Jerry from Allison Chains. Or, no, he did like a dual stereo rig. But. Yeah, a dual stereo rig. I think he had a, a Friedman and then a Bogner. Yep. Bogner, yeah, yeah. Ubershaw. So, what I'm doing is I'm using that, uh, my Kemper. Yep. Then I'm blending it with two flying six, a line flying six, <laughs> flex. Uh, they all meshed. Yeah. Yeah. Line six flex tone heads. Um, flex the flex tone two HD, to be specific. Now, I have one of them going through a Randall cab. The Randall Jaguar speakers are great. They give me the treble that I need. They're like as loud as I need them to be. They're just great. Now, the other Flex Tone 2 head I have going through two Spider Line 6 cap line six cabinets. Now, through that head, through the effects loop, I have, like, I use, like, all, like, Guptech pedals. They're a company out of Quebec, uh, Canada, who makes, like, um, clones of good pedals. It's a beaut time. It's a beaut. <laughs> but, um... I have, out front, I have an overdrive and a noise gate. The overdrive is taking all the lows out of the input signal, then adding, like, highs and mids, then boosting 20 dB, up to 20 dB. And then the noise gate is just cleaning it up, so I don't get that... Yeah, dude, I can't tell you the amount of, like, times, like, I've seen a band and their guitar player saying is just squeaking, and I'm like... Like fucking noise gate. I know. Like, uh, 
I this, I don't know if this is like a good example. It's not really like heavy music, but like when Tom first rejoined Blink One Eighty Two in twenty eleven, he was using the Gibson Dirty Fingers pickup. Oh yeah, and he's they're very they're not they're they're a pop punk band, so they like feedback, they like being loud, all this. But like Tom didn't realize that you know like using a, that pickup through a hollow body Gibson through like a high uh, gain rig was gonna cause all this. He screeching. was playing through a rectifier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah, I mean also like. <laughs> If you know, if you're an amp guy, you've obviously done your research on Enema of the State. And oh, everything yeah. like that. The Seymour Duncan Invader through the um, Maze, yeah, Maze of Boogie Dual Rectifier. And he was using a Strat at the time, so that was fine. Yeah, yeah solid you know. body, you know, great great sounding guitar. The only one pickup, which is is where I, you know, point to like, oh, man, all the guitars with one pickup. Like, Are awesome. Because of Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, mainly, I mean. I think you'd be right about that, actually. Because when did uh, Enema of the State come out? 99. When did the manufacturer come out? <laughs> 94? Yep, he was using a one pi- a pickup. Uh, 95, sorry. Yeah. Factory. D- Dino Cazares was using a one pickup ESP, and you know where he got that from? Scott Ian. Oh, so it was Scott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, okay. I mean, well, I mean, like, I guess more I was just going to say, like, um... Scott started doing it, but I feel like Tom popularized popularized it. because he was in Blink One Eighty Two, you know. So coming back from a little break we took, we were talking about um, rhythm, warm up, and technique and stuff. So "Damn It" by Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah. So yeah, like that's that's all about my playing. Is I'm all about like rhythm. <coughs> yeah, and um. I like. I just recently discovered how to do this. Um, Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Hertas. And um, I've been, like... Like, see, I never, like, practice. I usually just noodle and do, like, a bunch of rhythm playing. Like, um... That's what, like, you can constitute practice. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Like, I'll try to just, like, um... Make, like, lines. Like, um... I try to, like, push myself when I'm doing uh, any kind of my playing. Like, I can even speed up those hurtus sometimes. Tritones are also, like, literally the first thing that I, like, do when I, like, turn on my amp is just... Oh, it's deathcore, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, that's, don't that's that's not deathcore thing. I I saw that first in this genre of music. <laughs> but yeah, no. You mind? Can I see real quick? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. Um, this is something I like to do. So this is good for warming up the fingers. You just do. Oh wait. So, it's. You know, you basically just start one, four, two, three. 
But on a seven string, it's a little hard because this is an exercise I learned. Um, I learned it at beginner guitar for o at OU, which was like acoustic guitar. But then it's even cooler because, oh, I got a seven string. I got more room, so I got more to practice on. Right. And then you, or you, you know, once you finish over here, you start up here. I'm not warmed up or anything, <laughs> hence. Well, you know, a good warm up from. Just try and fit as much as I can into like one bar. But then I fall into like the the alternate. Right. Which you kind of lose some of that aggression. Don't need to say what that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to that's the best warm-up song ever. Um, oh yeah, that was like so, that was uh smells like teen spirit, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That's hard. Oh yeah. How bleed works is those are called hertas. They end it with an upstroke. Yeah. You end with a. No, it's. Uh, or, yeah, you can show me better. I don't really haven't played in a band that does anything like that. You know. See, it will. Um, see, the, like everybody's first instinct is like when they've like never heard anything, they d decide to go like triplets. Yeah. But doing that for eight minutes is just fucking suicide. Yeah. So. What Mashuga does is, um, let me do it on the yeah, he's kind of breaking it down for us a little bit. So slow that's like however I don't know how to do the second pick one where it's like but bleed bleed despite the fact that it's overplayed if I had to choose one, like, overplayed song that I would still listen to, then it would definitely be Bleed. Yep. Like, um, and it would definitely not be Psychosocial by Slipknot. So, I was going to ask you that. Like, uh, are you a Slipknot guy or no? Oh, yeah. I, I Dude, listen. listen. My, my dad had a um, Slipknot poster in his basement, and I was always scared of it because of Clown. <laughs> and, and, and Craig. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. um... I mean, my dad had Iowa, and I put that on, and I just about fucking pissed myself when I heard the first track. Craig just ah, ah, no, know. that was uh, Sid or Sid. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 
like I, I just couldn't do it. But then I was 13 and I listened to it again and I'm like, all right, all right, time to fucking break some shit. What's this? What's this first song called? People equal shit. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Oh yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm in. I'm just in like a fucking uh, school called Baptist Park Christian School. Yeah. Listen to this shit. <laughs> but I mean, yeah that that was a, another one of the uh, beginning sort of albums that got me into playing really angry music there there like there are very few songs that actually get me pissed off anybody like the heretic anthem is definitely one of them yep i mean the entire album gets you like pissed off and driving like a hundred down 30 mile per hour road and um you ever heard, hear of a band called Dealer? No. Listen to the song Crooked, and it's like, it, yeah, it's pissed off as hell. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, um, I found out what, they're called Dealer. Yeah. They're in drop F. Compliment. Your your singer sounds like this guy. Oh, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> my my brother. I don't know how he fucking does it. I, I swear to God. Yeah, your your brother is the one who does the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to do my impression. The uh, knocked loose vocals. Yeah. The. <laughs> Got you up. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your brother? What's your brother's name again? Uh, my brother's name is Jason. Jason. Shout out to Jason for having a sick voice. <coughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is another band. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's getting added to the like songs. <laughs> this next part illustrates my point of that drum work is everything. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. Dude, that's sick. Wow. I I like caveman riffs. I, I, like as complicated as our music is, like I um it doesn't hurt to slow anything down. Like uh our song Imitation of Decay. And it was surprising coming from Ethan because he listens to a band called Archspire. Yeah, I know Archspire. So, Dean. He, yeah, he's fucking nuts. So, he likes Tech Death, and it was surprising because uh, the original song idea was supposed to go like this. Wow. But, but then Ethan said, what if we slow it down and change it up a little bit, and then it became this. Yeah, it gives me a periphery, follow your ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of that. And then, um, I forgot who came up with the main riff, but uh, the main riff is... um. 
That's another thing that's like a running joke in my band is that I hit like perfect amounts of these. Yep. Yep. I love pinch harmonics. I was going to say, yeah, like um, you can be like Zach Wilde and you can either like overdo it until it becomes annoying or you can do it tastefully. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, also, everybody, I haven't mentioned this yet. Um, so you can see my, you can see Pergorgial Thump with my band Siphoned at the Diesel Concert Lounge. Absolutely, that's going to be fun. Yeah, June twenty fourth, um, at Extreme Metal Mayhem three. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I am excited to see his new band Siphoned. Thank you, dude. Yeah, I'm excited to. Um, I think like uh, I think the way the bill is stacked and everything. Um, yeah, we're gonna be be able to enjoy each other's bands. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. Every time the every time Salem Harem puts together like something, there's always a crowd. Salem Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, I might get the flyer pulled up so we can shout out all the bands real quick. <laughs> yeah, you know it. So can you? How many times have you worked with Infused Productions? Because I know the the Merry Metal Christmas was through them. <coughs> this is the second show with them. We've been on, on a lot of bills at um, the Diesel, but I don't know how many times um, the gigs were Infused Productions. That I'm that part I'm not sure about yet. I don't know. I don't get into those details myself. As long as. They tell us we're first or last or middle. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm just gonna say like I've been wor- so I've been working with Mike. This is gonna be year three doing shows with him. Sheesh. So if you're you know, I'm telling you know I want to give a shout out to Mike for always being so great with the bands and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I they, know. I know. They Mike- always were great to us. They gave us like a share of the earnings yeah. and the ticket sales. They don't like Mike. Literally told me. <laughs> We do this so nobody gets screwed over, and that's exactly. how it should be. So yeah, we got we got mortal disguise, sins of hate, precordial thump, whoop whoop whoop. Sorry, that sounded really sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> precordial thump, whoa, big, big fucking whoop, mom man, I hate that band. <laughs> Salem Harlem, or Sa- I'm sorry, it's Salem Harem. I just realized. Yeah, I that. think I think that's how I do it. I, I always just uh, said like Salem Harlem, but yeah, Salem Harlem. I decide I, Gore Pig, uh, Fleshbound will be headlining, and then Life of Suppression, Suffer System, Distant Descend, Atwater, and some shitty fucking band named Seafund. I don't know. Seafund? Siphon, though. I'm just, I'm just making, uh, uh. <laughs> just making a joke. <laughs> Eric and Caleb, if you made it this far, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the longest podcast I've done. So uh, thanks, Cameron, for giving us a lot of <laughs> different random stuff to talk about. Like for real, man. Like, what are your podcasts like usually? Um, well, usually when I don't have a guest, it's just me kind of just talking about just a random topic. For uh, like the last one was death, and it was just me talking about death, and like I was just kind of. Uh, you know, doing it like pretty casually, but then like, yeah, <laughs> my friend Cassidy's like, you know, you smack your lips when you talk a lot, and like, um, do you edit the? Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> like, oh, well, that's important to you know keep in mind and everything like that, but not gotta a. Per- Got to get one of those ASMR mics. Anything's yeah. an ASMR mic if you talk to it closely enough. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
uh, yeah, like before we go uh, too much further into tone talk or like band talk, I just want to like say like everything that you hear here um, <laughs> is like a direct result of my influence of Frederick Thordendahl. Dino from Fear Factory really influenced my playing, wanting to play fast, rhythmic style. But the the tone, tone to me is everything. Yep. You know, it creates your identity, but also you should have good songwriting, of course. You can have a great tone, but if you're like the Sex Pistols, <laughs> not to throw shade at punk. No, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like, everybody loves this. Everybody t- thinks the Sex Pistols is the greatest band in the world, but uh, their bass player. Because punk. Yeah, <laughs> literally. He can't even play, like, three notes. And it's just like, all right, guys, here's your fucking world-class revolutionary bass player. Let's give a hand for the heroin junkie Sid Vicious. You know, I'm just like, shut up. Yeah. Like, whatever. Didn't he fucking stab his girlfriend? That's what, well, that's the other thing, too. The it's co- like, the con- there's a controversy there's behind a con- it? There's a conspiracy, like, just, just dude, fucking, fucking bite me. Like, like yeah. dude, you but can't tell me he's innocent. Anyway, like, that's the whole reason my, my tones... And a sound like this, it goes back to that 18-year-old kid listening to I by Meshuggah, and, like, it's the same thing. You can talk about, like, how they got it, like, line drivers or overdrives, but the core thing is that line six tone, because at the time they were using line six Vetas, and it it's the sound of fucking God. I'm sorry, but, (laughs) like... Frederick no, you're, all, you're entitled to your opinion, of, or I mean, but it, it it's not like it's kind of it's it's a factual opinion. Like it is the sound of God. Frederick Thordendahl and Martin Hagstrom through Line Six Vetas on 2005's EPI is the sound of God, and to me, it's never gotten better. Guitar tone has never gotten heavier, but that's only just my opinion. I have never heard a better sound, and that's my point. I think that's a good. Um yeah, like uh, there's everybody's always gonna have like their tone or whatever that they're a little yeah, bit biased and, towards, and that doesn't like um, mean I don't like other things just as much. But like again, I've never I've just never heard a sound that like made me shit myself as much as like Mashuga has across their entire career. Yeah, I mean i I try and I try and listen to a lot of bands and. You can easily like pinpoint with like the ones that are just like we don't give a shit. We just want to we just want to play, you know. And like that's fine. Like don't get me wrong. But then exactly. there but then there are bands that like uh, agonize over their guitar tone <coughs> and stuff like that. Like periphery. Like uh, I was watching the P five documentary and Misha was like he wasn't having like a, like a freak out or anything, but he was just like worrying if like you know oh reamping you know like they have like amp sims versus real amps and everything like that and. You know, just like at, you know, some point or another, I feel like it's important to just kind of be like, all right, you know, we either got to, we can either keep trying to find a good tone or we got to just, because we got to record a record or something like pick a tone. But, but yeah, no, if you have the time resources and everything available to you, like Meshuga did back in the day to, you know, make a tone like that, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Because like, like I said, it's the sound of God. (laughs) But what I'm kind of doing with like my full, full setup is blending the old with the new, basically, because the Kemper is still being used today. Let me tell you something. Those two flying... I keep on saying flying six, (laughs) but those two line six flex tone heads, I got for less than 200 bucks. 
And That's a killer deal because like they've gone up in price a lot <laughs> since. Yeah, well, no, they've never uh, gone up in price. Or sorry, not or they've been harder to find. Yeah, they've been Le- uh, less frequent listings. Yeah, slightly. Um, like back then, it, it was released in 1997. Basically, of course, you're gonna have tone periods saying like, "You can't get no." Real fucking good tone out of no pod HD rack system. There ain't even no cabinet. I'm, and then Line 6 said, all right, <laughs> we'll make a pod, but it's going to be a head. Yeah. So that's what the Flexstone basically is. I, I want to see how the first Flexstone is. Because I I have two Flexstone 2 HDs. And the, the user setup is kind of weird especially on like the older pods you have to hold the tap tempo button yeah ours is like that the rack mount Mm -hmm. and then you turn up the treble you get a presence boost you turn up the drive you get a drive boost and you hold the uh, the, you roll around in the um uh effects knobs and you get different cabs yeah but i Obviously, I have the cabs off because I have cabs. Yeah, you have a cab. Yeah. So. Oh, that's also like, yeah, I was trying to do, trying to get a good tone out of that, and I couldn't, and I was like, well, all the cabs that come with it kind of sound like garbage, and then, yeah, you, you were using the Randall, mm-hmm. so that'll obviously make it better. Yeah, <laughs> plus, I, I'm sure if you had a better IR in, like, some kind of, like, software you had, it would probably do better. I always go with the rectifier simulation because if you slam a good boost in front of it it's literally instant mashuga <laughs> early like um chaos fear destroy erase improve because on those records they were using rectifiers and i want to give a shout out to a underrated mashuga um ep none none yeah, yeah. none is underrated because that their, that guitar tone wasn't exactly, like, perfect, but it was so perfect in so many, like, senses. Because yeah. I, I believe that was a Mesa Mark IV. Really? I think, Doesn't yeah. It? I mean, I, I think it's, like, so... I think it's really grungy. Well, I mean, not, like, not like it sounds like grunge, but it's, like... Because I don't know if you knew primitive. this. It's very primitive, yeah. Because Meshuggah originally started out as like a Metallica wannabe band. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why Yen sounds like James on a lot of those early oh, yeah. recordings. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, De- Destroy Your Race Improve even a little bit on that. I can still hear the James influence in him, and I'm just kind of like, uh, I mean, yeah, th- for what they were doing, though, like how many people in Sweden heard of Metallica or whatever? How many people in well, Sweden probably have a good amount. rectifiers, you know? Uh, probably a good amount of people because Metallica... It, know, it, they're the biggest fucking yeah, the, the, metal band ever. Yeah, Cliff died in Sweden, as fucked up as it is to say that. Oh my god, <laughs> that is that's crazy. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, Cliff died in Sweden, though he died in the country in which Mashuga formed. <laughs> Cliff formed Mashuga. <laughs> Cliff, the soul of Cliff Burton is responsible for Mashuga. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Cliff's like, all right, guys, my band wouldn't listen to any of the anything I had to say about like music theory and classical shit. So I want you guys to uh, research everything about music and become the greatest band ever. Yeah. And they did that. Jun 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 jun. You know. 
Now, there, everybody listens to Obzen. And my, my baby. Yeah, and they all always go to bleed. But my God, the combustion, the, combustion, electric red, electric red is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. The first time Trent, my drummer, uh, showed me Lethargica, I almost drove us off a hill. <laughs> I also want to say Trent's got great taste in music, but he's also got great taste in drum kits. Oh yeah, exactly. we have we have the same drum kit. Yeah, and uh, for those I who think, those who don't know, I think he's wanting for the for the um, recording of the full length. I think he wants to go with um, Sabian. Sabian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because uh, they got a little, uh, according have, to him, I have a crash right now, and I have a China from Sabian. Oh yeah, yeah. I've always liked Minel, which is what he's using right now, but. Um, I listen to a lot of like slam death metal w- when I'm doing that. Peisty, Peisty, uh, yeah, Peisty, and um, the the Zilbells. The z- yeah, the earth. Yeah, the Zil. So there's the Zilbell, which is like um, that's just a bell. Or there's the Mega Bell Ride, yeah, which is exactly. what Mario from Gojira uses. Mm-hmm. That's how he gets the ding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the Rev. Oh yeah, the yeah Jimmy. Jimmy was a big two so, of them double ride. Yeah, <laughs> almost easy. And uh, Joey, I believe. Wasn't that his thing, the Giga Bell? Joey from oh from Slipknot? Yeah. Oh, um, I don't think so. I think jo- Joey used Peisty, but um, he uh, I think I feel like his rides always were just regular. There wasn't like a giant bell. On I mean, them. because in the early days, maybe in like Iowa. Because <coughs> I'm gonna look this up. Keep talking. Yeah, because when they played songs like, um, creep like creepy songs like Prosthetics, Iowa Scissors. Which they've done, like a scarce amount of times. I love that song, "Scissors" from the first uh, album. Oh yeah. But whenever they would play it live, Joey would be hitting like all kinds of like, like extra symbols. You know what I mean? Like uh, little crashes, little symbols, bells. And I was wondering if, like, at any point, he had the Giga Bell. So when Joey, Joey. Use Piesty pretty much his whole entire life. I'm pretty sure. Um, they made him custom symbols, like just custom paint job. And I think um, they were all rude. So I have a picture of his kit diagram from like 2000. And uh, I'd like to say this is probably from the early days of Slipknot because it looks like the. But it also could be from the later era because it has the three splashes. Um, oh right, right. Just a rock bell ride, and then well, he had a he had a he had this thing called a mega cup chime. Which you hit it, it chimes like, you know. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, Joey was a big splash guy. He had three splashes like right in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, the, the Joey Jordison signature snare drum. I want to. Well, I mean, I kind of bought something. That's how like, how much of an edge lord do you have to be when you pour your blood into your swirl of your signature drumsticks? Oh yeah, yeah. He did that. I, I forgot he did that. He, he, bro, that is like ten out of ten edge lord move. <laughs> like when Little Nas X made the Satan shoes, he put his blood in them. Like we are not the same. Oh yeah, but like, okay, I want to suffix this by saying there is not a single person, not a single fucking soul in this world that loves Slipknot more than my bassist Gabe. It's always the bass players that love Slipknot the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of Paul Gray. And, and guess what? Yeah. Gabe's left-handed. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, I um, I kind of had like a little bit of a I I I don't know. This is very not. I kind of was getting a little pissed about how big Slipknot was getting with their new album and everything, and I just. I don't know. I too trendy. Too tr- yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Slipknot used to be the band, the maggots, the like. Oh, you're fat and like ugly and shit, just like us. And then Slipknot got commercialized as the years went on and everything. And then it was just kind of like, well, I mean, but to that's be, what happens on any band. To be fair, they realized that. Yeah. They they said we were becoming the thing that we oh so desperately did not want to become. You know. So I'm I'm sure like. But it's like, can you blame them? Like, they all of a sudden went from being nine guys in Iowa to all of a sudden you're the biggest band to come out of the early 90s since Metallica. Overnight, almost. Well, yeah, I mean. So fame does, fame, does yeah. uh, different stuff to different people. You yeah, know. I, I need to, that's something I need to work on. <laughs> Some, or not, I mean, not like, it's just like. I know. I, you know I, what I'm saying? Like, I'm I, usually, I gotta remember I'm usually that. that guy that's there to be like, wait, 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 have some understanding. <laughs> or yeah, I got. I guess I, I do need to. Upbringing's important. But I then, understand where you're coming from because you don't want to, like, go to like a show and have your like, idol be the biggest ass fuck you've ever met. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I kind of. I used to idolize Slipknot a lot, but then I kind of like figured out like you know they have a very certain way. That they operate and everything, just like any other band. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of, I kind of realize this. Like bands have like roles and stuff that like other people play, and like you know, I know for a fact that Jay doesn't get to write, you know, a lot of those drum parts. I know a lot of it's clown, so it's kind of like I was idolizing, or yeah, Jay, because I'm like, oh my god, he writes all this shit. Like he does everything. Like he's the man. Like and then I was like, oh wait, no, not every band works like that. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, well, more respect to Jay though for having the you know <laughs> chops to come in and be like. All right, you give me a drum part, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jay Weinberg has some serious fucking chops. My my um my drummer has a lot of unpopular opinions. That's fine. Yeah, um, we all do. We- he said that by far I said I kind of understand. He said blast beat wise Jay definitely is cleaner. Well, that depends on what song. Right. Yeah. Like on a um. On like a, if they were playing "Get This" live, then like that's fast as fuck. <laughs> yeah, and also like jo- Joey was blast beating on those songs and everything like before like sampling and everything became like so commonplace. Um, <laughs> but like the blast beats on uh, "All Hope Is Gone," you know his last album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're pretty clean. But then, like, yeah, take a look at Jay playing like "Unsainted." That's a song he wrote. Like, he's obviously going to do better at it because he wrote, or he, I mean, we don't know if he wrote the song or wrote that part or not, but he, he's been practicing that and he recorded that and everything like that. And then take a look at Jay playing one of Joey's songs. I mean, obviously he's going to take a little bit of liberty with it because he's not the one who recorded it and wrote it and wrote it and everything. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, we could talk about that whole debate. That's a whole podcast episode, Joey versus Jay. <laughs> Um, I'd like to uh, to be like a special guest when we have like debates <laughs> Dude, <laughs> about yeah. stuff because I I Always. usually like to um, think of myself as an unbiased person because yeah I used to listen to Slipknot a lot but I can't even remember the last time I played Slipknot other than 
last week when I was playing Scissors. Yeah, the la- I can remember. I was listening to uh, I was listening to Volume <coughs> Three last week because I was like, I've been way too harsh on this record and everything. Um, yeah, the, the the mix wasn't the best. It, it was like you turn you, you you turn it up in your car, you can hear every band member pretty good. Yeah, for the pretty, most part, yeah. it's just the drums sound a little weird. I don't know why there was so much negative review for Volume Four. That's a kick ass album. Yeah, uh, I think it's because like you know, it's like once you're once you're on like the third record or whatever of your band, it's like okay, this is like we've either done two albums that are like all angry and abrasive now it's like okay we're famous enough let's try and branch out or it's like oh man we've only been making angry music like it's time to kind of change it up and throw in some other influences and like Mm -hmm. i like slipknot for doing that i like bands that do that that like take their time with the whole recording process and everything Mm -hmm. and um but Corey said working on volume three was he was sober i I, think yeah i uh I think it like he was doing like one of those. I watch those things all the time when Corey Taylor does like story times live. Yeah. But um, but he said he never met Rick Rubin, so it kind of makes me wonder like how much of that album they produced themselves and everything. Or if Rick yeah, Rubin was Rick just Rick Rubin's a little bit rough. <laughs> yeah, no, I know the stigma around him. Yeah, like he's a lazy dude who just sits on the couch with his shoes off eating Cheetos or whatever. Like that's the stigma around him. But Rick Rubin's also. The guy he produced who, the Smashing Pumpkins, I think. Yeah, or, well, was it Rick Rubin? What album? Um, He's doing their new stuff. Yeah, but the, everything from I believe, uh, Melancholy to today, I think. Melancholy was done by Flood and Alan Mulder. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I remember watching um, produced that iTunes interview. And he was talking about Rick Rubin, and he was talking about how rough and, like, throwing ideas out the window kind of like uh, Rick Rubin is. Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing the new Pumpkins, um, I think, like, or at least from, like, the mid-2010s or whatever to onward. Solara and uh, Machina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I I remember when Solara came out. Um, And then, well, Rick Rubin, I like him, or I mainly, like, found, like, my respect early respect for him because of the red hot chili peppers because he did blood sugar sex magic he did one hot minute californication um he's done every album with much them, respect except for the getaway and then the getaway kind of the getaway came out in 2016 it was their last album before john frusciante came back and it kind of the production kind of illustrated the fact that this band needs rick rubin and everything like that and then um he came back and then he made so I haven't listened to the new, new Chili Peppers album, the Dream Canteen or whatever. I've just had, I really don't have an interest. But mm-hmm. popping, you know, when they put out um, the uh, the Love album, I, I can't think of its name right now. Um, but the one with Black Summer on it, um, Unlimited Love. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. when they came out with that, I was like, okay, this is a great return to form and everything. And it's just like, yeah, sometimes the producer is really that fifth member of the band. So... Kudos to Rick Rubin for coming back, but it's also like, man, when he works with other people, though, I just wonder if he's just like, you know, got his feet kicked up, and he's just like, he's like, he's, sing, damn it, yeah, or, or like, come on, I got, I gotta go help fucking Miley Cyrus do some shit, I don't know, like whatever. whatever. I got Miley Cyrus next, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, that's one of the things. We oh, did. System of a Down too for Rick Rubin. Sorry, keep, oh, keep going. He did 
You don't know. You it, didn't? Like I have never thought like us would have even like glimpsed an idea of Rick Rubin with metal. He did all every system of a down album. Let me double check that. But yeah. Yeah, but like, dude, Rick Rubin seems like he's you know, don't get me wrong, like a like a know-it-all, like a music purist, like a metal isn't f- 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 fucking music. But like, you know, I, I never would have thought he did like anything even closely like related to metal because I always associate Rick Rubin with the Pumpkins. And their stuff is like different now, you know. Yeah, they're... they're yeah, so I just Rick Rubin. Well, System of a Down produced the albums with him, so they had some say in it. But yeah, no, he's not. Rick Rubin's done, yeah, a lot of the Pumpkin stuff, and then um, you know, he and was System. Yeah, and System. Yeah. He was responsible for like quote unquote revitalizing Johnny Cash's career, mm-hmm. um, because of uh, S- System is another topic that I'd like to um, uh, talk about, like. I listen to System and bands like Rage Against the Machine for the music, and I feel like ev- like that's everybody's thing. Yeah, everybody's like, oh my god, I can't stand these bands because of the message, so don't listen to the message or some yeah. music. It's not that hard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can listen to Ted Nugent, and I can appreciate his guitar playing and everything like that without realizing the fact that he's a crazy fucking redneck. Yeah. Like, I can set that shit aside, you know? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like... I'm a Christian, but I'm not, like, Ted Nugent, America, like, all that. Like, I just, dude, like, when you're being interviewed by somebody, like, have you seen the interview where he just, like, like... Drop dead. Yeah. Like, I'm you just, try to disarm me, you can drop dead. Like, dude, like, you are power tripping about something completely else. We're here to interview you about... We're just asking you a simple question, you're the one that, like, went and had a fucking fit about it. Like, so shut the fuck up, you know? Exactly. So the songwriting is, uh, for your band, is more... It's more like collaborative in the sense it's like, hey, I have an idea. Like everybody's gonna throw something at it until it sticks. Yeah. See, because I love, you know, as as you know, the the like yeah. tight rhythm playing, and like I'm a simpleton as far as like riffs. But then Ethan is the guy who said like, you know, I think we could add a little bit of more. Zazz. Zazz, <laughs> pizzazz, yeah. Pizzazz to it. And then Trent is the one that plants out all the rhythms and gets those like Lamb of God grooves going in there. And um, we have two vocalists in our band. So. And your, li- so your brother's one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of my friends since I was like really. Uh, Young and just starting uh, working is uh, Goodleaf. Goodleaf. He, he, yeah, he his his full name is Goodleaf Lewis de Montois. Wow, <laughs> very proper Canadian. <laughs> 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 Quebec. I don't know, but he, I mean, he was born in Detroit. His family is just uh, Canadian and also actually um, Native American Chippewa. Er, er, not Chippewa. I always forget um, what like Indian like. You, uh, I think if I feel like if you just say indigenous, that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but um, no, nothing against. But yeah, yeah, exactly. 
how racist can Carter and Cameron be? Uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> fucking racist. Apparently, <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you trying to get me canceled, Carter? Come on, man. We're canceling each other. It's okay. We're going down on the same boat. <laughs> but um, no, that, that's awesome. Yeah, but then Jay will bring like the raw, like screams into it, and then um, Leaf will bring like the deathcore. Like it's like a, a lot of mixes. There's a there's yeah, like I, I was yeah. listening to your EP, um, and I could I could hear the high and then so when the low came in, that was good leaf. Uh no, on the EP we didn't it was just me, Trent, Gabe, and Jay. Oh, he wasn't in the band yet. Yeah, nor was Ethan. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it wow. was just uh the four of us and I, I actually I thought it was your whole lineup. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even remember if I met Ethan yet. At the EP time, because that was, we recorded that during, like, when it was just coming out of quarantine. Yeah. So we were allowed to see people then, so, you know. It was, like, a rough process, but we piled through it. And then, lastly. Wait, real quick. Did you guys record to a click track? Yes. Okay, because uh, mm-hmm. I was just about to say, like, you know, I like to get that. I like to ask that question. Like, it so f- for your first EP, did you record to a click? Yes or no? <laughs> we it did was, not. We did not. It was weird click tracks, though. It was. It wasn't like one, two, three, four. Yeah. It was like. She's like, no, you got to get the feel of the rhythm. I'm like, this is the rhythm. Oh, so he was he was adding like extra shit on top of it? No, he was like quantizing the shit out of the click track to where it was like a um like highly complicated click track. All we needed was one, two, two three, three. And so four. he made it one and a two and then a three and then a four and then a five and then a six. And I like, I listen to your guys' music. There's not there's not a lot of like very well, I mean, this isn't like a dig or anything, but just like not yeah, you're not doing like the doodle 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 doodle. So why is the click track that fast? Yeah, you know? well, okay. Instead of like four on four, he would make it like four on sixteen, if that makes sense. And this is the, the so the guy who produced this, who's not in your band. We we okay. So okay, we were supposed uh, supposed to go with like one producer who offered to do it. They, they didn't charge us studio time, like, as in time. They just charged us, They like, wanted your... They, they wanted exposure? They wanted exposure, but also it was a family friend from my, my, uh, okay. from my drummer, Trent. This is sounding all too familiar. <laughs> so, he didn't charge us studio time. He charged us 200 per song. Okay. So, it, it that whole album cost 800 bucks. Not bad. EP. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. um... Yeah, we were supposed to produce it with this one guy, but, I mean, through the recording process, they didn't even sound like our songs anymore, because he yeah. made just so many fucking changes to them. Right. They weren't bad changes. But it's just, like, unnecessary. But it, it eventually got to the point where, like, during, like, the third fuck of four fucking songs, okay, dude, relax. Yeah, like he was getting way too handsy. Yeah. Uh, so then I'm we. Sorry. So then. That's rough. Yeah. So then we um recorded it with uh the producer that finally eventually ended up doing it, and it it was our first endeavor. It wasn't the best thing ever, you know. Never is. Yeah. <laughs> the guitar tone on that album 
was my diesel Herbert with two overdrives and a JCM 900. So you got three going at once? I quad-tracked it. Wow. And we didn't know about phasing amps in, like, tracks, so it sounded like... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can kind of, I can visualize yeah. that. That, I mean, well, that's why, that's why you, that's why you keep doing this. You keep, you getting better. <laughs> keep practicing. Keep working on your tone, like on you told me. On the subject of time, though, I really, yeah. a quick before we close out. I'd like I mean, to play. dude, if you wanna, we're, I'm gonna edit all this out and everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hour thirty is like. It's the ballpark, but like if we go over five, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure by the time I edit this and everything, it'll be like an hour 25, mm-hmm. 20, not even 30. So um, Before it- we close out, though, I would like to play one of our new songs called Nightmare Containment. This Please. song is a bitch and a half to play. I'm about to see if I can play it with a Jazz 3 because this song relies heavily on pinch harmonics. Go for it. And it's um. And so is this going to be a single or is this going to be on a, on a release? We're thinking about... Um, releasing this as a single before we release the uh, full length. It's going to be on the full length for sure. But um, we're going to re- release like a couple of songs Hell as yeah. singles, awesome. I believe. Imitation's definitely going to be one of them. And then I think Nightmare is going to be the second one. So Night- Nightmare, this was all written by Trent, the drummer. Oh, he wrote the guitar part? Yeah, yeah Trent plays guitar too. Oh, sweet. Great, so, multi-instrumentalist. We loved it. We, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Oh, but also pain for me because he wrote it in like five. Oh. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a song in five and it like, it, or well, there's a section. It's probably in five, not in yeah. five, but it, it's just the transition. Let me see if like I, weird. let me see if I can figure it out. But, yeah. um, this is Nightmare. Oh. back into that riff in yeah. the middle of like a yeah so i i was just i was counting it, it seems like it's in four four but then yeah those transitions are like how they have an extra beat added to it so it yeah. is five technically yeah and plus it's like the guitarist mission of going like three two one one two three like And trying to hit pinch harmonics in like midair while you're doing like a slam riff. <laughs> it's and at that tempo, it's it's quite a challenge. But yeah, that's one of the new ones that people can 
look out for in the breakdown hits but we'll save that for when it's yeah released. yeah no don't don't spoil the surprise <laughs> awesome dog oh yeah is that going to be played at the next show june absolutely and that is that is your next show right june yes okay sweet or yeah <laughs> I th- because life gets so busy <laughs> yeah i th- i think because we've been getting a lot of opportunities thrown at us lately and we're just trying to record our album, like, for fuck's sake. No, yeah, yeah I get you know. that. Yeah, it's like, why are the show offers coming when we need to be? Yeah, and, and we're also trying to, you know, rehearse the new material. We haven't, like, like written, like, like and finished a brand new song in a hot minute. Right. And also, we're trying to, to move location into my bassist's uh, garage because my mom just can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> I don't blame her. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I I'm twenty. Yeah, about to be twenty two. Like still practicing here and everything. I'm like, oh my god, my poor parents. You know. Oh yeah. The, I love my parents though. The bo- both of them. They've put up an off, awful lot with us. I think it's only right that we f- we relocate. Yeah. It, it, out of respect for them and what they've like allowed us to do for so long. Yeah, like we'll, like when we have a show coming up, we'll be practicing like every weekend, and then it's like. Whenever we have a break in between shows, I'm just kind of like, yeah, we've we've earned kind of the right not to practice because mm-hmm. I feel like the show is the reflection of the practice, <laughs> um, obviously. And then it's just kind of like, yeah, my parents, they deserve some quiet time. Exactly. So like, yeah, we don't have a. Pr- we usually practice every Sunday. We don't have a practice tomorrow because we've been so good about getting our stuff done, you know. So. Yeah, it's like, um, we're we're almost done with soundproofing. Uh, the garage. Sweet, dude. So, uh, yeah, I think my my brother's the last person we need to buy uh, another pack of soundproof foam, and then we'll put it up. Put some. Uh, I think we're talking about like rugs over the garage door. Sweet. And just just making damn sure the cops don't get called on us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, you know. Speaking of which, we're playing a backyard show in Detroit soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. When are you guys doing that? Um, I need to check back in with Leaf because uh, that's Leaf's friend that's setting right. it all up. And he's like, you know, making sure it's kick-ass. Right, yeah. I'll definitely see if I can pull up. <laughs> also, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Ask away. I'm an open book. Thoughts on the Token Lounge? Token Lounge. Um, I've only played there once, and um, honestly, I'm not gonna blame you know uh, any. Well, I'm gonna blame the sound guy. Yeah, <laughs> fucking exactly. I don't. So I was playing with Creeping Night. We played a headliner show at the Token <laughs> Lounge, and uh, yeah, I forget exactly. I'm not. I don't even know the sound guy's name, so like, I'm not gonna dox him or anything. But just like, I'm pretty sure he ended up throwing um, Jacob, my guitar uh, frontman at the time. He had like uh, he bought a new guitar. ESP Viper baritone, and I think it got like messed up by the sound guy. And just, um, yeah, playing that stage is definitely it's cool because you feel so high up in the air, and you feel like, like you look down at the crowd, you know, not like the D. Well, the I'm not saying this the diesel's bad for this. The diesel's really good for crowd intimacy because it's not too far up the ground. But like at the token, yeah, you feel pretty bitching. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um, but yeah, no, my. We played with live creeping night plays with live tracks and everything, um, so I can't really speak for like the monitor system because we had our own monitoring system. I could hear everybody, um, but yeah, because of the sound guy, 
and because of like some of the shit that we experienced yeah we definitely were a little stressed out on stage you could tell yeah when when we first played there i was still like crazy tone junkie me so i was trying to have him take both of the xlr outs on my kemper and then put ethan in the middle see because my thought is like if ethan's doing a solo his whole like side of the stage has nothing to back it up. You know, no rhythm or tone or anything. So I said, like, okay, then maybe let's let's have me going stereo left and right and then pan Ethan to the middle. Mm-hmm. Told the sound guy my idea. And he's like, what are you, fucking stupid? He said that to you? No, that was another time. Oh, uh, no, you're good. But uh, <laughs> no, he's like, you can't do that. Why would you want to do that? Like I'm the artist, I'm the I'm the guy performing. Isn't it your job to make me sound good? Yeah. <sighs> sound guys, bro. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out though. The sanctuary always has really good sound guys. Oh hell, well, okay. Oh, the, okay. We had one bad episode, but yeah. Yeah. The, was he um, like turning up your levels? And when he was telling you to play, was he really quiet? I've had that. I think I've had that guy at the uh, the Hot Rock before, yeah. but um. This was Creeping Nights for a show at the Sanctuary. Yeah, we had a Ableton live rig, um, and he couldn't figure out how to get it to work. But then the second time we played there, we played fine. We played without a hitch. But then, yeah, it was like our first show with uh, the new lineup for Creeping Night. It was a solo project for Jacob, and Jacob never had band members until then. And then we had band members, and it was like, oh, it's our first show, you know, with, like, the tracks, like, the full band. And then he's like, no, you can't. So we just had to play. We had to play the whole set, like, Raw Dog, like, you know. Good thing we've been practicing and everything because, you know, I'm the drummer, like, follow me, blah, blah, blah. But then exactly we had a, yeah, Jacob had a new song for the band that was, like, fast, had blast beats and everything and all these bass, bass drops and everything, like, a lot of tracks. And we had to swap that out. kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we have definitely have had our fair share of sound guy shittiness. Um, but then when Siphoned, we played at the Sanctuary first of this month. We actually, I didn't know this until we finished. We had Trivium sound guy. Yeah. That's badass. I know. Like so yeah, if you're ever at the sanctuary and you get on a show, you might be doing sound with him or the old drummer for We Came as Romans, Eric Choi, he does um live sound around cuz he used to he used to be in We Came as Romans like full time and now he just teaches and does like um drum lessons and sound. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's always just kind of he's always around mainly, so. Yeah. The last time we played at the Sanctuary, that was a great fucking show. I I discovered the heaviest local band I've ever played with. That band is Splinters. Dude, shout out to Chad from Splinters. Oh, you know Splinters? <laughs> I well, Creeping Night. We were gonna play a show. We were gonna play that Tolkien Lounge show with them. Mm-hmm. They got COVID. Damn. Yeah. So, but I've seen. Uh, I first became aware of Splinters. Um, my old band Apocalypse, my very first band. Tony, uh, the rhythm guitar player of Apocalypse. He has. He has. A, has a band called Disorderlies. They played like an outdoor show, and they Splinters played with them. And I saw a video, and uh, that's that's one thing I'm trying to do is an outdoor gig, bro. Well, I uh, siphoned. We might be doing something, so uh, we're definitely we we like keep like a list of like bands you know that we'll keep in mind. So, well, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Yeah, I I I definitely don't don't like say like oh. I'm a qualified candidate, but like, I I just always try to be as humble as possible. 
But at the same time, like, bro, I'm trying to go out on tour already. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, like, for me, what exactly my career path is, but I want to go at least on, like, one tour, see how it is, you know? Right, exactly. Go see some places. Have a learning tour, you know? Yeah, literally. All right, well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I need to play some music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to jam after this? Uh, yeah, what should we jam? Whatever you want, I don't care. Like we can just jam nothing, but um, I'm gonna edit that out. But um, I was just going to do a little uh, outro real quick. Um, Here we go. Uh, go ahead. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's a good place to end. We've definitely, I, we've covered a lot of everything, even, you know, even if it was very ADHD. I don't care. That's what this podcast, this podcast thrives on chaos or <laughs> what is it? God of War, Ragnarok. Brock says people run better on chaos. I'm a big God of War fan. Um, big time Loki energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so yeah, Cameron, where can we find your band's Instagram? What's your uh it it's simple, just Precordial Thump Band. And I, I get a lot of people saying like, What's your band called? Precordial Thump? Huh? <laughs> so uh let me try my best to spell it. P R E C O R D I A L Thump. Thump. And and uh you type that in to all social media, YouTube uh platforms. However, type in Precordial Thump Band into YouTube, unless if you want to see, like, a YouTube video with a thumbnail of a guy resuscitating somebody, because <laughs> that's what a Precordial Thump is, you know? But Yes, I, do, I, I did look that up. I was like, what, what is that? Oh, it's a medical thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, we are currently in the works of recording our first full-length album. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Yep, and Precordial Thump has an EP out right now called Anthem of the Lost. It's got four songs. They have a single called Private Despair, and you can catch Precordial Thump at the Diesel Concert Lounge June 24th, 2023 (laughs) (laughs) Um, with your boy boy Carter and his death metal band Siphoned, and it's going to be a great night of heavy music, great night of extreme metal. Um, But yeah, dude, thank you so much again. This is going to be a banger of an episode. Like, just... But the Kemper and everything too, like the tone, mm-hmm. it sounds so fucking good. So yeah, everybody. Um, yeah, so we learned a thing. Yeah, we, we actually did. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've always known that Kempers are badass. I just this proves it right here. But um, mm-hmm. anybody's looking to be on the podcast, this is how we do it. You know, mm-hmm. Cameron got to got the full Night Hill aesthetic experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'd love to be back on here. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly. Well. I don't know if I want to get into like mini series and everything like that, but um, yeah, dude, definitely again, cause like there's there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to, but uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, check out Precordial Thump on Instagram, Spotify. Um, my name is Carter. You've been Cameron Sexton of Precordial Thump. <laughs> all right, we'll see y'all later. Have a good one. Enjoy.